Today is Tuesday, December 19th, 2017. And on this episode of the Creative Church Podcast, we talk with pastors Henry and Alex Seeley from The Belonging Co. in Nashville, Tennessee. Sponsored by StockUp. StockUp is the most affordable way for you to create video content. For $25 a month, you get unlimited license-free 5K, 4K, and HD stock video. From aerials to mission videos to Christmas to Easter, StockUp has everything you need, and they're adding 1,000-plus new clips each month. I don't know if you saw StockUp's Instagram story this week, Ross, but they're actually out filming right now, and they're taking some incredible incredible shots. yeah i've really so. enjoyed the behind the scenes that they're showing of their process it's uh it's pretty cool i'm very excited to see what else they curate yeah james was out there he was uh we were talking last night and i was like man where are you at and he's he's, he's out in the lake somewhere in i think canada <laughs> and he's like uh he goes you can see through the ice to the water. He goes, oh, yeah. It's just really, really awesome and really magical. So it, I guess they're getting more stuff for, for winter. So that's going to be awesome. But StockUp is the source for unlimited stock video for only $25 a month. Downloaded an unlimited amount of files, no contract, and no licenses. If you want to give StockUp a try right now, they're offering full access to their entire library for free for the first 14 days. All you have to do is go to StockUp.com slash Creative Church. That's S-T-O-K-H-U-B.com slash CRTV Church. Stock Hub without a C. Just remember that. Stock Hub without a C. You're listening to the Grave Church Podcast, where each week we talk about the latest in Christian creative culture and explore the lives of prominent creatives. After this week, Ross and I will be taking off for the next two weeks, but the good news is we'll be back on January 9th, 2018, and we have a great show planned for you today. My name is Nick Goodner. And I'm Rossi One Kenobi. I mean, Ross Montgomery. Ross Montgomery. Well, here we are living in a post-Star Wars, The Last Jedi world. Ross, how you feeling? Personally, I feel wonderful about the movie. But if you go on to the dumpster fire that the internet is right now, um, not a lot of people are going to agree with that sentiment. No, not a lot of people are agreeing with that at all. And it, it makes me sad because I am so happy with the way that turned out. I am just but what, But what you were telling me, tell me your first reaction when you saw it the first time. Because you've seen it three times now. I want to hear what your first reaction was. That's a good point. Yeah, three times I've seen it. First time I saw it was opening night, Thursday night. And I left that theater going, that was a four at best. It was a bad movie it was just nothing but a marvel ripoff and after my second viewing i started to realize i might be wrong because i think this movie especially it gives a lot of shock mm, whenever you're seeing it there's just so many scenes in that movie that's like <gasps> that's not normal for a star wars fan to experience but yet you see it the second time you know what's coming so you're like okay i can actually kind of get back ease myself back into the star wars world and then on round three you're like this is the greatest movie that they've ever made oh it's fantastic i've seen it twice but i think the thing i love the most about it um because i love progression in especially a franchise like this i want to see progression i don't want to be camped out on the same thing all the time because i'm like how many ways are you going to tell me that the sky is blue you know so i love that everything was turned on its head and I, I truly believe they kept that line from Luke uh, in the trailer that said, this is not going to go how you think. And 
that's absolutely true of this movie. And I, I'm there for every minute of it. I loved it. And there's so many layers. There's so many references. There's so many themes with all of the characters going on that I think if you watch it multiple times, you could literally just sit there and watch it the whole time thinking about one of the characters and their journey and get something completely different and then watch another character the next time you watch it and really see something totally different and do that through all the characters and really make it a rich movie. Yes, it is very, very deep and it's very layered. Oh, so yes. if you if you saw it once and you're thinking, man, mm-hmm. I hate this movie, I, I encourage you to go at least give it another shot and really think why you hate it. And then really start to see that you don't really hate it and you actually love it because that's what Star Wars is, <laughs> loving loving great movies, unless they're the prequels. <laughs> um, uh, but this movie, I mean, no spoilers in this show, but if you would like to hear some spoilers and a review on it, you can go listen to The Pop Culturist right now. And uh, they got a review called Popper Flop. Uh, and it's streaming, and Ross and the gang talk for 45 minutes. <laughs> Is was, that right? Yeah. It, it was longer than I wanted the uh, review episode to be, but I think, again, it was so complicated. And we didn't even get – there's like three or four main points that I'm like, we didn't even bring up yet. That would have been over an hour-long episode if we would have done that. Yeah, but, they yeah. Were, they recorded Saturday night, and I waited by the phone all night for my for them to call me in, but unfortunately – I was never called in, so I'm oh, oh, I'm disappointed. I didn't, I didn't I'm know disappointed. you were sitting there crying by the phone. <laughs> yeah, um, but well, Nick, I had to go you watch will the movie be again. making <laughs> a uh, appearance on our main pop culturist episode of just all of Star Wars. So I think we'll be able to talk a lot about the themes, especially what Last Jedi means now that we've had it out and people have had a chance to see it. So if you haven't seen it yet and you want to listen to the Star Wars pop culturist episode. Go watch it because I'm not going to promise there won't be spoilers. Yeah, and um, whenever I join you guys on the Star Wars episode that's coming out next week, um, you guys will all get to see my ethos and my deep nerd layer. And um, you know, you might never look at me the same way again. <laughs> oh well, I think I think Chad has the deep nerd layer as well, so you'll be in good company for sure. It'll just be me and Chad <laughs> making really deep Star Wars references, and nobody uh, will why, understand. Well, no, that's why we need people like you to give us some context for some of that stuff. So we'll yeah. be going into Legends and Extended Universe, <laughs> and everyone will be like, "What are they talking about?" Yeah, I'm, um, I'm but, there yeah. for all of it, even if I haven't read read all the books or novels or comics or seen the. I do want to check out the new um, the uh, Rebels uh, series. I haven't oh, yeah, I haven't watched any of that, good. and I've heard it's pretty fantastic. So I I think that's going to be the next thing I check out. So I would do the Rebels if you have have you done the Clone Wars. I'm assuming you've done the Clone. No, Wars. No, I have not. Oh, that's on Netflix. You got to watch that. Okay, man. that is that's incredible. Um, and I would do the Vader comics. Okay. The Vader comics are really really good. So, but yeah, we got yeah. a we got a great show planned for everybody today. We got Alex and um, Henry Seeley from TheBlogging.co. Oh, they're um, fantastic people. From my home, my hometown, Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, there you go. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. I might get to go go to their church over Christmas, so Ooh, we're pretty excited to be listening. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be awesome. Um, but yeah, so we got a great show planned for everybody. Um, up next is Trending. Welcome to Trending. Each week, Ross and I gather one article from last week's headlines that's important to us and that we feel is impacting culture, church, or creators, and we discuss. Ross, what do you got for us this week? 
Well, a lot of people might be familiar with the name Joshua Harris. Um, I know back when I started college, um, I, I can't remember if I got it as a gift or if I purchased the book, but he is the author of I Kiss Dating Goodbye, which was very popular among young evangelicals to look at um, courtship and dating in a new light. But he recently went on a TED Talk and expressed regret for writing his bestseller. And um, there's been a lot of um, attention being gathered by his TED Talk. So here's, here's a quick clip to give you an idea of what he talks about. I have a question for you. Is admitting you're wrong a sign of weakness or a sign of strength? And how hard is it for you to consider that you've gotten something wrong? I'm not talking about small areas. What about when the stakes are high? When what you've got wrong could affect your livelihood or your involvement in a community or even your own sense of identity. I wish that these questions were just theoretical, but for me, they're very real, very right now questions that I am wrestling with in a very public way. So let me tell you a little bit of my journey. I could take you to the exact spot in my parents' living room in Gresham, Oregon, where I knelt down and I prayed this prayer. God, let me write a book that will change the world. Be careful what you pray for. So I think that uh, Josh or Joshua, I don't know what he prefer. I'm not on a first name basis with him. I don't know what he prefers. But Mr. Mr. Harris Mr. is what he Mr. prefers. Mr. Harris, you. if you're Mr. Formal. Harris, yeah. So <laughs> I think this is totally a lesson in like admitting you're wrong and moving on. Like, uh, you know, he he had a lot of pushback of people who said that that book had hurt them and and caused some negative things in their life. And he never intended it for that. But, you know, he even self-admittedly, his only um, experience in the matter was he was homeschooled and had one serious relationship and was in his very early, I think it was like 20 or 21 when he started writing this mm -hmm. book. Like that was his resume to write a relationship book. And so he goes into a lot of detail in that TED Talk, and you can definitely watch it on our podcast episode page. But I just love that he came to it with humility and looking forward. Like he didn't spend a whole lot of time um, going into the anecdotal details of like the different stories he heard from people of how it hurt them or helped them or whatever. Um, but I think it was just great about how he talked, you know, about leadership and when you're wrong, how to admit you're be you've been wrong and to really approach that with grace and humility. And man, it's, it's a fantastic watch. Uh, did you have any opinions on that, Nick? Uh, I, I'm going to echo the leadership part because it's very true. A lot of leaders think that they cannot show any failure whatsoever whenever they're training people or teaching people. And I mean, not to tie into The Last Jedi, but that's I what, was just gonna that's go what there. A, a mystical character <laughs> says in that is that, you know, leaders have to pass on what they've learned, not only the success, not only the triumphs, not only that, but also the failures what you've done that you've messed up. And we're not going to tell you what the mystical character is because, you know, that's nope. for you to watch and find out. <laughs> but it is a very good narrative on how he was able to accept the fact that he did something that wasn't necessarily a good thing. I mean, 
I never read the book. I guess thank God for that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I was yeah, a big. I wasn't negatively affected by it. Um, it was definitely big um, for for the culture that I was in at the time, being yeah. just in college, and you know, this was a. It, it kind of gave the excuse of I'm dating Jesus. That's kind of where that came from. <laughs> See, in and in so, college and in, in in college especially, I was a big. Uh, I was a dater. I like. Oh, date you like people. to date around. I like, well, not to date around. I just, I like to go hang out with different, you know, you know, meet people, you know, one-on-one conversations. Persuasion. Yeah, of the female persuasion. I'm married now, so I've settled down, of course. But, um, yeah. But it, I I met a lot of girls, and because I was a hardcore Christian, I met a lot of girls who had read that book, and that was their excuse <laughs> on why they're not going to date, because they kissed it goodbye. And, and to me, that was the only negative impact it had on my life. Um, But hearing some of the stories and they've created a website. Josh has created a website or Joshua or Mr. Harris, whatever we're going to call him, yeah. um, has created a website where you can share the stories of how this book has either negatively or positively impacted your life. Is that, am I, am I saying that right? Yeah. Just, just impacted your life. Uh, yeah. Good or bad. Yeah. And he's really he starting... was not trying to downplay anybody that might've benefited from it, but he just kind of realized his zealousness of wanting to be an author, wanting to have this thing, um, and then when he had that 15 minutes of fame, realizing, oh, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Maybe this wasn't the best thing for me to do at that time in my life when I thought I was the expert on relationships. I mean, can I can I get real honest right now? Do it. All right. Perfect. I sometimes think that about Creative Church. Mm. I think 20 years from now, am I going to look back and think to myself, did I charge churches to create beautiful productions whenever productions weren't the big winners? Hmm. and people were the big winners. So that's that, I, I think that all the time. Like, I'm like, that's what made us popular. And, you know, as we begin to shift into new mediums, I'm thinking about that because I'm like, I don't want to look back and, and have done anything wrong. So to hear Josh's story, yeah. it, it encouraged me because it was something that, you know, he opened up about authentically, and I was able to receive that and say, hey, maybe maybe it's okay if I fail, you know, like yeah. I'm going to do what I do, what I know now, but maybe whenever I look back, it's it's going to be okay if, if some, if I do something wrong or yeah. if I mess up. And uh, that's the thing that leaders need to get with the program on because a lot of leaders, especially ones in, in the circles I run in, they don't want to open up about this stuff. They don't want to be authentic. They yeah. don't want to say that they've ever failed. They don't say that they've messed up. In fact, whenever I was in Bible school, one of the big things that Many of our teachers taught us was you never express failure hmm. until after you have the victory. Oh, that's dangerous. And to me, that's just it, exactly that's super, super dangerous. And to me, it just it, it's a self-preservation. Yeah, it's, that's what it is. That's it's not a healthy place to be. Right. Well, and I, you know, that's one encouraging thing I do see from a lot of churches that are, um, like, like just off the top of my head, like. Church on the Move is we want to introduce people to the real Jesus, understanding that it's going to be messy and sharing stories that aren't always neat and tidy. And um, and then the other church I'm thinking of is, uh, and there are several churches that I think that use this, but the one I can think of is Crosspoint in Nashville that says, well, oh, what is it? Nobody's perfect. Everyone's welcome. And there's one other thing. It's like three three sentences that they say. And it's just like, man, nobody's perfect. You know, messy people welcome. Like it's, that seems to be a theme that I'm seeing a lot more churches hang on to. And, you know, I truly hope that fits their culture. I would encourage churches to figure out what their culture is and what that looks like in it. Um, and, and people that work in churches to say, how can we be authentic in that? Not to the point of just 
you know, here's all the dirt on everybody in our church, you know, for that, for that sake. But to really say, man, here's how Jesus makes an impact in people's lives because he accepts them where they are. And so do we. I believe, you know, Creative Church, we have kind of a, a mantra and things that, you know, we follow. Um, and one of the things I've written down over the past, you know, we've only been at this for two years. So we're not like decades into this or anything, but we've, only, we've been at it for two years. So we've kind of written down some stuff over the past two years. And we believe solely that, you know, God uh, loves community more than anything else. You know, he sent his son to die for mm-hmm. community, essentially. He just he sent his son to die for us to be together. Yeah. The first thing that he creates, the first thing that he realizes something's wrong with is the community aspect. It's Adam and Eve. He realizes that, you know, Adam shouldn't be alone. Yeah. And one of the things that we say around here is production is great because it can be practiced. It can be rehearsed. It can be put on. But community is messy. Yeah. And if we're going to be in the real world and in the real lives of people, we have to live with the fact that we're going to have to accept the mess. Yeah. Well, and I think creatives have a bent towards needing to band together, to be honest, because sometimes it can feel like you're on an island, um, especially if you're a creative that's kind of a one man band or you're kind of only I, I don't want I don't know how else to say it, but like, um, yeah, you're, you're, the, you're, you're the new iMac Pro. You can do it all. Yeah, exactly. And you're, 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 you're all by yourself. A ton of hats, and you are the creative department or whatever. Um, that can seem like you're on an island, but you know that's what I love about different communities um, that we can pull from, that we can listen to on podcasts, um, Facebook groups, um, different blogs and vlogs, and that kind of thing. Um, is is we're all in this together, and I think that we can share our experiences, and we can share the things that we just understand each other is going through. Man, we know Christmas is a hard time. Like, please take time for yourself during this season because uh, it's easy just to get into a grind and into something that's just going to take a lot of brain power and mental power. So just take some time to be healthy amidst all of that. And we can take some notes from Mr. Harris and remember that whenever we're a part of a community, we have to remain authentic with each other. And we have to be open up about the things that we feel yeah. in and the things that we succeed in. Um, like our mystical friend says, <laughs> pass on what you've learned. <laughs> yep. All right. We'll leave it at there. Nick, what do you got for trending? I Mine's going to take a completely different turn than what we just talked about, but uh, I don't care. I love it. Um, <laughs> with the Christmas season quickly approaching, it's time to pull out our favorite little El- friend. Elf on the Shelf? No, no, not Elf on the Shelf, Ross. Oh. Close. Oh. It's time for Shepherd on a Shirt Search. <laughs> uh, do you know what a Shepherd on a Shirt Search is? I, I, mean, he, I, have, I have heard of this. I have heard of this. Shepherd on a Search. Shepherd on a Search, or as I call it, S-O-A-S. So um, as. So as. Uh, <laughs> for those of you that don't know what so as is, The Shepherd's (laughs) Treasure is a faith-based alternative to the elf tradition. During the month of December, children follow their shepherd on a fun, interactive treasure hunt to find out the true meaning of Christmas. And on Christmas morning, they find their shepherd kneeling before the greatest treasure of them all, Jesus. The Shepherd on a Search is a family activity that celebrates the birth of Christ and helps, I, I want to get this right because this is what I pulled from the website, helps mom create a meaningful tradition for her family. Side note, dads cannot create meaningful traditions. I didn't know that going into this, but I, I do as, now. As a dad, I can speak to that. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I brought this little internet factoid to you guys today because A, it's Christmas. Yeah. B, Ross told me to. And mm, C, well, you know. I love the conversation of Christians Christianizing pop culture, meaning they replace an object that they consider is secular, like enough on a shelf, and they offer a Christian alternative, like Shepherd on a Search. So, Ross, I'm going to ask a few questions here today and see what we kind of arrive at okay. on whether or not, you know, kind of the yeah. scope of this conversation. If Is this a good thing? Number one, my first question is, is this a good <laughs> thing to have Christian alternatives to secular entertainment or secular fun? Um, gosh. Your opinion only. Your opinion only. My opinion is it, it, it's so saturated that that's become a trope and a stereotype of of Christians Jesus juking something sec, uh, secular, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I've already, if you're just talking that topic alone, that's that's my thought on that. But with um, this particular Shepherd on a Search versus Elf on the Shelf, I've already found Elf on the Shelf very creepy. So oh, yeah, totally. this is still oh. creepy to me. So um, that in no way changes. It's, it's the same thing, different packaging. Um, and I guess that's what that's what kind of bothers me. I don't feel like there needs to be an alternative for everything. Um, it just gets to be too much. And, and I mean, I don't know. You can get real theological on it if you want, but I don't. I just don't think we need to be like fighting culture all the time. It's it's exhausting, and that, and that's not the point anyway. So I don't want to get too spiritual on this either. You know, I I I I just kind of want to you know take a really you know top layer approach to what we're talking about today because it's kind of it's kind of in a sarcastic tone. Yeah. Um, for those that I mean, aren't picking up on do that, use shepherd on a shelf or shepherd on a shelf, shepherd on a search. Like that's totally fine. It, you yeah. know, I think I think we'll still anything. Love you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it points to Jesus. I'm going to tell the Christmas story to my children. You know about Jesus, why he came. Like literally, my daughter last night, we were just snuggling on the couch, and she's like, "Why did Jesus die for us?" And so I'm like, "Great!" Like she's four, and I get to have these conversations with her. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, "It means nothing." So I, I think I can see the value of that. I just as as it being marketed as a alternative to elf on a shelf you you instantly give it less value in my mind it's like oh you just had to come up with something against culture just mm-hmm. to say that okay elves are secular well do you still let your children believe in santa i'm sure some christians do um and some may not that's totally their choice i'm not going to yeah. dog on either side of it so you know surface level only i can see how it would be a really great tradition for me I'm going to choose to do that tradition in other ways, but um, because just both are kind of creepy, like moving this little doll at night that your children can't touch or else they will come alive or not get their presence. Like, it's just weird to me. Yeah, well, well, honestly, you can't even make that decision anyway because it's only for moms to make the family. Oh, yes, true. Dad has no say. Dad has no say so in the the family tradition making process. Um, I I think that to your point earlier, I think the. uh, the problem is, this is how a lot of people see church, the church world, is just it us is. No. remarketing uh, secular stuff. And I, I think that's what I don't like. The fact that those t-shirts are still around bug me. Bug me to no end. However, they are pretty funny. Some of them. And there's some. Of them there's are some funny. I'll give them props on. I'm like, okay, that was clever. But for the most part, I'm like, Ugh. To me, I just feel like, you know, and not to get too spiritual on this, we don't need to be going into and uh, trying to make an alternative to the world, yeah. to the secular culture. We need to be creating for ourselves and creating on our own. So to me, I don't think this is a good thing. 
Okay. However, I do have some more questions. Okay. So my second question is, is this detrimental to the creative arts and the creators as a whole? Is this like, is this a problem that we really need to even be talking about? Um, I think it can be detrimental because like we said, um, you know, if you are working for a ministry or a nonprofit that is faith-based, um, you know, there's already kind of that stigma of the art not being as good or the creativity not being as good. And I know creators are constantly fighting that, that uh, stereotype. And so I think this just doesn't help at all with that. And again, it is just a copy paste new packaging. That's a little, that that's just churched up, you know, pun intended. So um, yeah, that's, that's how I feel about it in simple terms. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that's probably, and like I said, that's probably my biggest angst with it is the fact that that's how a lot of people view us. It's just people who rip off yeah. secular culture and make it into Christian culture. So that leads me to my third question. And that is, can it even be done right? And if so, how can it be done right? And what makes it right? What are your thoughts? Well, again, I, I mean, it's so funny that, that a lot of evangelicals will say, you know, there's a cultural war or whatever. And they're, there's been this whole culture created around evangelicism and um, fundamental Christianity. And so uh, that's a, a whole aspect of the world doesn't want to be a part of that because it feels exclusive and it feels, yeah, exclusionary. Like if you're not in our club, too bad, so sad, you know? And so if something's coming at that, that's, that's really how I see it. This whole Christian alternative thing is like, um, you know, staying in the silo. There is just, this is for us. We're making this for us now. And so, um, you, you, you keep your because, elf on the shelf. Yeah, you keep we're going to take our on shepherd shelf. on a search. No, and, exactly. And go over here. And, and yeah, we're going to go play in our corner and that's not what we're called to do. That's not what Jesus did. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think, to be honest, I don't think it can be done right in this context. I think like you said, creating things that are new and unique and can speak into culture, that's one thing. But to do this kind of blatant ripoff, it, to me, is is definitely something that I don't think should ever be considered. Right. And this is a, I mean, creators, I think, argue copy and paste all the time. I think that's one of yeah. the things we do. Because it is a really fine line between being inspired by something yes. and ripping it off blatantly. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's kind of like the weird And you had a great example of... Um, a Christian culture thing being inspired by a secular culture thing, but that can kind of be its own thing. And granted, people make the comparison between the two often um, just because they have that point of reference, but they've done it pretty well. And that was Onion versus Babylon B. Like Babylon B, anytime someone's like, is this, you know, <laughs> people who take the articles way too serious, people are like, oh, no, no, it's like the Onion for Christians. And I'm like, well, they were inspired by that. They're satirical. Satire is just a, a form of comedy, and that's what The Onion does. So they've taken this satire and made it for this bigger part of culture, and Babylon Bee has taken satire and made it for the church world because I think there's a lot of satire to be seen in the, in the Christian world. And so that's, you know, they were inspired by The Onion, I would probably say, but I think they— Try not to make that comparison and just use satire as the vehicle for their comedic content. Yes. And if you don't know what the Babylon Bee is, 
oh man, <laughs> I feel so sorry for you. Uh, the Babylon Bee is is like the onion for Christians. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Well, no, <laughs> no, no. It, it is a very funny, funny satir- satirical site that it takes faith based news and, and repackages it for uh, their readers. Um, but and to kind of build on a little bit what you said there, I think that. You're right. It can't be done right. However, I think if you're going to draw the line between something that's being a blatant ripoff and something that's being inspired, I think look no further than what I heard someone say once, which is if you're inspired by something, you're going to take it and make it better. Uh, For instance, whenever Walmart, when Sam Walton built Walmart, he took several hundred different ideas from other people, blatant ripoffs from them. He even he even said that he said, I ripped off people all the time. And but what he did was he took and ripped it off and absorbed it into himself and then made it better. So anytime you're going to copy someone, anytime you're going to be inspired by someone, I think that's kind of the line that we as creators kind of got to use, because if you don't make it better or you don't take it further, then you're just trying to be a copy. And I think that's 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 wrong. It's going to feel cheap and it's going to not not do anyone any good. And, you know, to to be completely transparent here, like. In the past, I have done those things um, in different areas. So, like, I have learned, I have grown, I have regressed, <laughs> you know. You know, as creatives, I think there's a learning process where we are copying a lot of people. And I think there should be a little bit of grace for that because some people need to copy in order to learn. Yeah. You know, like whenever I started graphic design, all my graphic designs look like Church on the Move. Now they don't. But whenever I started, <laughs> they did because that's the only thing I knew how to, you know, I, I latched on to what they were doing. And I was like, okay, how did they do that? How they put this? Why they put this here? And I kind of just kind of kept copying them until one day I realized, oh, now that I know kind of the visual aspect of what I'm doing, I might be able to do something on my own. And the first thing I made that was my own looked like crap. But <laughs> <laughs> but I was able to build from that. And, you know, I, I, I fancy myself as a, you know, subpar graphic designer. I'm not a full-time graphic designer. But I, I do pretty well now. I, I can hold my own. And that's because I was... I copied in the middle in the beginning, but uh, over time I've learned how to express myself through my own graphic design. So makes sense. It does make sense. So uh, that's you know my two cents on the whole faith-based alternative. It was more like five cents, but whatever. Yeah, shepherd, <laughs> shepherd on a search. I mean, if you first off, I will say I saw the story on Shark Tank. Um, this is where I got it from, and the people behind it—they're good people. Yeah. So I'm not. I'm not going to blah. If you if you use the shepherd on a shelf, if if the people or listening that. <laughs> well, and see, that's just it. If we're saying it and confusing it with the other, maybe maybe rethink the name at least. <laughs> maybe, maybe rethink the name. But uh, if you if you're listening and you created this or you work for this company, we still love you. We're just you know we're just using you as a catalyst for our conversation today. So that's all that to say. This next up is our interview with Henry and Alex. Seale. Born and raised in Australia, Henry and Alex Seeley spent many years on the pastoral team at a church in Melbourne, Australia, pioneering a worship movement that grew to become a church of over 10,000 people. After relocating to Nashville, Tennessee in April of 2012, they began opening their home on Tuesday nights for people to worship, encounter God, and build genuine community in a city where people's personal and spiritual lives often succumb to the transient nature of life on the road. Within a few months, their basement was at capacity and subsequently, The Belonging Co. was born. Since its inception in 2014, the church has become known as a place to find freedom, breakthrough, and healing through God's Word. 
His presence and worship. The heart of the Belonging Co. is that every time they meet together, it would empower both individuals and the collective body of Christ to encounter God through worship and experience the freedom that comes through knowing Jesus. They desire encounter over entertainment, intimacy over industry, presence over presentation, people over position, and most of all, Jesus over everything. So yeah, I kind of just wanted to start with the story of the Seelys, how you guys got to Nashville, how you got to the Belonging Co., um, what took you there um, in life and as creators. Yeah, that's uh, it's the million dollar question, really. We are uh, so originally from Australia and uh, grew up in a, in a city called Adelaide, spent 10 years in Melbourne uh, before we moved to Nashville. And uh, had been part of a you know big worship ministry in Australia for for a long time, and uh, just I guess in about 2010 2011 just really felt God stirring our hearts about moving to the U.S. And it was a bit of a wrestle because I we had talked about moving uh, I guess a few times over the years and had always just come back to the you know to the answer that it was a, a no. We loved Melbourne, and uh, I, I guess we came to this this point where. We just really couldn't shake what God was doing on the inside of us, and uh, as we, I guess, as we prayed about it and talked about it a lot, it was obvious that we were meant to go. It just wasn't obvious what we were going to do when we got there, and so we really just took a, a huge step of faith, sold everything that we had in Australia, uh, minus a bit of my studio gear, and shipped that over to Nashville. And we spent the first year. I just traveled leading worship and uh, mixed records for people and. Really, we're just trying to find our feet here in Nashville. And I guess during that, that first year that we were here, just began to meet a lot of, obviously Nashville's a, a huge creative town, and a lot of artists and musicians who are based here. And, you know, we really, we started to meet a lot of people who, um, you know, love God, they were doing incredible things for God, um, but were really quite disconnected from uh, the church community, uh, really, I guess, because a lot of them, you know, weekends is a big deal for um for their travel time and so a lot of them not able to be in a local church community on a weekend and uh, after I guess a year of kind of seeing that with with so many of them it, it really t you know tweaked something for us um, where we you know just really began to pray into that and ask God what what the solution might be for some of these people who um, really needed a church community but Sundays just was not an option for them and uh, mm. so we we decided that we would kind of open up our home on a Tuesday night um, and start what we thought was going to be a small kind of community group for some of these guys and help kind of plug, well, guys and girls, plug them back into just a, a church community body. And uh, we had no idea that within a year we'd have a hundred something people in our basement and everyone would start calling it church except for us. And we really, I guess we really, not that we resisted, but, you know, church is not something that we take lightly. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not just a flippant thing to, to venture out and start a church. And, uh, but I guess after a year or so seeing, you know, the people that we were able to, to really connect mm -hmm. with and sow into their lives, uh, it became more and more obvious that, you know, that it was, that it was a church. We just didn't realize it. So that was, uh, I guess, most of the way through 2013. We, we moved to Nashville in 2012. And uh, then we, we officially launched church in February of 2014. So just over three years ago, three and a half years ago. Great. No, that's incredible. I know you guys definitely have a knack for creating some incredible authentic community. What 
and, and some of the things I remember you saying from that uh, conference that I saw you at was just really ushering in a presence of God in everything you do and through your creativity. So maybe talk with me a little bit, each of you, if you kind of agree on what creativity looks like or what it means to each of you, what does creativity look like and how do you feel that we can use that creativity built into us, especially in a faith-based way to usher in that presence of God? I mean, I think the, the fact that God, in essence, he's a creator. And, you know, as his sons and his daughters, we, we are created in his image. So mm-hmm. whether people are musical or perceived to be creative, you know, at, at, what, at the level that most people call creativity or designate creativity, mm-hmm. I believe sometimes that's a, it's a not quite a, a correct parameter in the sense that I believe that all of creation is creative. Every one of us, whether we are musical or, you know, create with our hands or, you know, whatever it is, maybe, you know, even as a business person, there's an element to creativity in that. Um, so I think as sons and daughters of God, we have the ability to actually tap in to the very heartbeat of God. Uh, and that is he is creative um, in his very essence. Yeah. And so out of that, I, I believe creativity flows out of our relationship with him first and foremost. Um and out of that that relationship, that actually is the thing that empowers us and releases us, and I think gives us the parameters that, you know, we can create in a way where we're not having to compete or be com- uh, in in a sense of comparison, because if you fully understand who you are as a son or as a daughter of God, you'd understand that what He has for you is that in itself is uniquely creative, and so we get to create and put our own unique thumbprint or fingerprint on that whatever that looks like whether that's in music or in art or uh in you know in film Mm. or whatever that is Mm. preaching you know yeah leading worship Mm. i mean i i think creativity i think the the irony of of our church is that we attracted creatives if you like but we never did anything creative to do that um what they were attracted to was the glory of God, the very presence of God. Um, Because we were in a basement. There was nothing creative about the basement. It was a garage and um, it just... With some string lights. With some string lights. I mean, it was, you know, Home Depot special of about $10. You know, there was nothing spectacular about it. There wasn't this imagery that people were drawn to. Uh, People are drawn to the presence of God and to the glory of God. And we're image bearers and we're made spirit. And so when the spirit of a person connects with the spirit of God, there's just something that happens that is attractive and quite addictive. And no, that's fine. And, um, And so I think in essence, when we started, we just had people drawn to his presence, the Holy Spirit, um, who is the most creative God. And um, so it just attracted creatives. I think just because we are creatives, we just attracted like-minded people, our friends connected with friends. But as it's grown, I think it's just, we've just seemingly attracted a creative community, but we don't have just that, like Henry said, just the artist or the musician or the painter or the film you know, videographer, we have incredible people who create all day long in different streams. So how do you feel that um, you guys are able to keep up with that? I know, you know, creatives can kind of get into their zones. They can get into the just make and create and go, go, go. 
Um, it can be exhausting times. There's obviously times to take rest and, and take advantage of that to refuel. Um, what are some ways that you guys instill that uh, with yourselves, with your team, just to keep things going with, and we can get into what everything you're getting involved with later, but uh, yeah, some of that kind of stuff. I, I, you know, I am a creative in the, in the music sense of that um, and beyond that. Um, but for, you know, for the last 20 years, I've been making records, working on records with people and, and uh, making worship records, traveling, touring, all that sort of stuff. And it, it does very easily, um, if you're not careful, consume every aspect of your life. And, you know, probably 10 years into our marriage, we really, we, we hit a bit of a crossroads where we had to make some, or I had to make some pretty tough decisions about um, learning how to discipline myself um, to, to put the boundaries in my life that were not just beneficial for um, my creativity, but they were beneficial for my family as well. And uh, it's one, you know, I think it's one of the things that we really, you know, we do our best to kind of walk people through um, and just kind of have that, that relationship with people where we can speak into their lives, mm. um, you know, in, in a real way and help people kind of get a sense that they're in this for the long haul. Um, mm. There's a lot of people who, you know, they, they go at it so hard and so fast the first couple of years but everything about their life suffers and uh, I, I don't I don't believe that's living life to the full like God's called us to and so we uh you know I think we, we do our best to to put boundaries and you know even running a church pastoring a church there's that same sense of man this is this is not something that you uh just clock in clock out 40 hours a week it, it's 24 7 but in that um just you know, I guess enjoying life and being intentional about um, taking taking uh, moments to rest and and recharge and 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 not forgetting to really spend you know quality time with God um, every day and that's that's one thing that really mm. I think is the is the backbone to keeping you fresh uh, and and recharged. Yeah. yeah, and we don't we don't busy ourselves up. I think with lots of program. And, uh, and I think that gives people space and, and time to just kind of soak and, you know, soak in some Sabbath and, and understand that it's not always about producing something. It's really about getting in that secret place with the Lord to actually do better with less effort. And so the more you seek the face of God, he'll give you a better strategy rather than doing all these things that we think um, I think sometimes in church life we think that we have to entertain people and we actually don't. People don't want to be entertained. They'll go buy a ticket, especially in Nashville, to go see any band or any artist. You know, you don't need to do that in church. What people are seeking after is um, an encounter with God. And so we try and go after that first and whatever that produces remains, but it's not going to wear ourselves out. We did that rat race for too long and it doesn't actually if I look back over 20 years of just going 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 we we went from event to event from program to program and and honestly I'm like I half of it's a blur to me so really was it was it always fruitful I don't know (laughs) (laughs) no that's a good good way to put it it is I mean you've got to take stock and go you know, the fact that our marriage was suffering, is that fruitful? Is that what God wants? Yeah. No. I think it's, you know, it's such a trap to, to, um, to see what everyone else is doing online. I think it's in some yeah. ways it's so inspiring to see what other churches are doing. But I meet so many people who, 
so easily slip into that trap of of trying to keep up with what every other church is mm. doing and uh you know even the amount of people that talk about trying to be more authentic you know we want to try and create something more <laughs> authentic we want to try and create a more authentic space or a more authentic environment or what you actually can't create authenticity <laughs> It's, no. That's an oxymoron in itself, yeah. you know. And, you either and, have and it or that, you don't. Yeah, you're either authentic or you're not. You know, you, you can't be, you can't try and be more no. real than no. who you already are. You know, yeah. and I think that's one of the things that's been so liberating in this season of, mm. of just realizing what what we have is not better than any other church. It's not, mm. um, you know, it's not. We're not going to compare it to any other church. It's just who we are. It's who, it's what makes sense to our community here in Nashville. It's what has resonated with them and is the belonging a better church than the other thousand or so churches in Nashville? Not at all. It's just unique to who we yeah. are and, it, and it's appealing to the people that come to our church and yeah. that's fine. And that's the part of the beauty of the, of the diversity of the body of Christ mm. is, you, you know, you, you can have a, a thousand or two or 10,000 different expressions of God through 10,000 different yeah, uh, gatherings in a city and all of them are valid. You know, yeah. if, if they're preaching Jesus... Um, then that's the main thing, you know what <laughs> I mean? Right. That's authentic in itself. And, uh, you know, I, I, I constantly encourage people to, you know, really just find what the, the heartbeat and the blueprint is for, for the particular group of people that they have, you know, copying, copying what Elevation did on their last record or what Hillsong's done on, on, you know, on the unit, new united record or something like that, like that, that's not going to make you more authentic. That's not going to bring mm. people to your church. That's that's you trying to imitate, mm. and if if it all is hinged on what you're able to do, then you'll always have to mm. to maintain that. Yeah. And uh, you know, I think if you if you can dig in and really find what God's doing yeah. in your life, in the in the lives of the people around you, you'll find what's real yeah. and what's authentic, and that's right. that that's life giving in itself. Yeah. So, what are some ways that you guys were stretched starting the belonging? Uh, obviously having to move quickly from a crowded basement of over a hundred people to having to find a space to, you know, expanding services, expanding what you're doing. What are things that stretched you and, and maybe gave you joy amidst all that too? The whole thing's been a stretch. Yeah. Guys. I mean, well, it, it has, it's been stretching. Um, yeah. Partly because we never came into this understanding that we yeah. were going to end up as pastors. Yeah. Um, and, f- you know, I think for me, as a worship leader and a and a producer and a mix engineer, I had never considered myself in that role. You know what I mean? Um, which I think is part of the beauty of this yeah. because it was what God had planned, um, and mm. so there's no preconception coming into no. it. It was, I mean, really, honestly, all of it was a huge stretch of faith, but yeah. it's been mm-hmm. at the same time um, by far the most uh, enjoyable and. Mm. Um, I don't want to say easy because it's been hard work in some mm. ways, but it really has been such a sense of ease of just following what God's been doing. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's, there's been some sacrificial moments, absolutely. Mm. Um, but, you know, the first two years that, that we ran as a church, we basically didn't have a staff. Um, but the, the joy of being able to release just so many people to, to volunteer and, and to be part of something and, now we're almost four years into it, have a staff of 20 people and that brings its own challenges, but they're also incredible people and, mm. um, you know, dealing with growth. And we were in four different venues in the first three months that we left the basement because we just kept outgrowing, you know, venue after venue. And even now we're at a point where 
you know, we do two Sunday afternoon services uh, and Tuesday night, uh, Tuesday night service still. And uh, two of those services are basically just jam-packed every week. And we've been praying and praying and praying and praying and praying for a building and uh, not found anything new yet. But we just, you know, even in that, not living under the stress or the strain of that, just understanding yeah. that God's aware of those things. He, he knows. Yeah. There's a hundred different things that we could do to make our church grow faster or, you know, a thousand different programs we could do. But it's just, it's really taking, I feel like, taking slow and steady steps of realizing, all right, this is where God's at. We're just going to follow that. We don't have to do all the programs. We don't have to do what everyone else is doing. We just got to find what God, God has for us. Yeah, you guys seem fairly unique in the uh, as far as creative because a lot of creative want want to do it and now and you guys see that long play you you see what's coming down the road knowing God's got it there you know it says a lot to just trust in that and and rest easy as well knowing that it's what God's wanted wants it to be yeah well because that that's probably one of the wrestles we we had was having so many talented creative people in one space and I think we had to get to that revelation that not everybody is called to be on platform ministry or have a part within the four walls of church and I think what we've made church to be is oh, bring all your dreams and gifts and, and put it in a two hour block on a Sunday but I don't think that's what God's intended for us because I think the church has its own purpose but then we're supposed to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And whether we see ministry as within the four walls or outside, we see it as both. And we see it that every sphere of influence. So even learning how to hold back and not have to put everybody in a position or have everybody on roster because they can, but understanding and really being quite mindful to hear the voice of God of, okay, who's called to lead here and who's called to be equipped so that they can lead out there and, and so even putting pressing pause on a lot of people is so unique to most churches because everyone will come up and be like, well, I've got this gift and I can do this and I can do that. And we're like, that's great. But how about you just, just set out chairs this week because that's what we need, you know? Yeah. And so I think that was that groove we had to find, which a lot of people at first were like, oh, I don't, this doesn't make sense. But then a year or two later, they're like, that was probably the greatest gift you guys ever gave us. You know, so, you know, just learning to navigate all of those uh, different church things. Yeah. No, because that's that's just it. People may have kind of this end goal in mind and they just want to get to point B, don't realize all the in between they have to go through to get there. But it definitely grows you. Yeah, it does. And I I think that's what really one of the one of the things that's been so um, such a big deal for people who have come from. All they've ever known is, is being on stage or all they've ever known is leading worship. And they come into a house where actually that spot at the moment's already taken. Um, and, and it challenges everything about where people have, have found and placed their identity. Mm. And so all of a sudden they've gone from being, you know, in, in some ways, you know, one thing. And now they're finding themselves in a different spot. And so, yeah. and it's been, you know, even the same pressure of people, uh, you know, obviously everyone identified that our church had a lot of well-known worship leaders in the early days and songwriters. And so the pressure from people of like, well, when are you guys going to do a record? When are you guys going to do an album? Blah, 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 blah. And I, I mean, I literally was just like, it's not even on the cards right now. You know what? what we're not here to manufacture something. We're here mm. to just see what God's doing. And yeah. l- let's just see what the overflow of that is. 
And so even, you know, us releasing a record a few months ago was not this grand scheme of, you know, we already knew about that from the start. We had all these people. That was the end goal. The end goal's always been just to meet face-to-face mm. with God. That's that's the goal. The overflow is songs began to pour out of our team. Yeah. The overflow was we began to have these incredible worship moments as we gathered together. The overflow was all of a sudden we've got all these songs, all these moments. What do we do with them? Mm. All right, well, let's release mm. them as a record. You know what I mean? So that it's just even that different take of, you know, we're not trying to manufacture something here. We're yeah. actually just trying to trying to let God move and uh, and and roll with that. What are some of the opportunities um, you guys have seen God put in your path as you have been growing, as you have been kind of looking at everything you can be involved in? I mean, we one of the things that we we uh, were pretty intentional about from the get go is that we didn't necessarily want to start a hundred different ministries just to prove that our church you know, was a real church, um, especially if if we could identify that people in our church were already doing those things, they're already operating in those ways. Mm. And so we, we've kind of taken a different angle on, on some of these things. We've probably been a bit more intentional about giving to, you know, to other organizations rather than having to do everything in-house, especially when it's come to, mm. you know, to missions and outreach and all those sorts of things. But just an even in, even in the last few months, it's been really you know, stirring our heart pretty, pretty deeply. You know, our church, we meet in, in downtown Nashville and there's a lot of need. Um, and, you know, every, every, every time we come to service, we drive past people who are homeless on, on, you know, almost every street corner of downtown. And it's something that we've not been out of shake. Um, mm. And, you know, there's a sense of, yeah, you can roll down your window and give it two bucks or 20 bucks or 50 bucks. Um, but what, what can we actually do that's going to have an impact in these people's lives? And so, we, we feel very strongly about being called to a long-term vision of having impact in our city. Mm. Um, but the first step for us, we, and we literally just launched this yesterday at church, but we, um, we're going to put together survival packs um, that we're going to make available to our church that uh, they can give out to people who are, you know, have found themselves in a less fortunate position, uh, might be homeless or, you know, in need right now. And so we're putting together these, these packs that are just kind of, you know, like a blanket, socks, uh, water, non-perishable foods, um, some, you know, hy- hygiene products, um, just some, some other things that, you know, can kind of help people really in, in an immediate. Im- immediate sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, we're looking at what we can do to actually have kind of a long-term impact at, at seeing rehabilitation for people in our community, um, which, you know, there's a whole element to creativ- creativity in that. Um, of, of really getting the heart of God of how we can creatively and long-term have impact in people's lives that will not just make, not just appease the church, not just appease us as Christians of, oh, I did something, everything's all right, but actually having a long-term commitment to seeing people's lives um, be transformed because I I believe that we can see a city turned around. I see, Mm. I believe that we can see um, just a a serious impact in in the life of our city. I mean, I suppose... The, it's not so much the belonging getting opportunities. I think it's our people have yeah. been opened to many opportunities. Yeah. And um, I think that's, again, the beauty of a secure church leadership that actually sets your people up to be better than you and, and to have more success and to 
Uh, and so to see that in film and TV and in artistry and in design and fashion and videography, people are killing the game in such a great way and they're actually having huge opportunities open to them. But what they're doing is not only being creatives, but they're actually preaching the gospel. They're praying for healing. They're giving words of knowledge and prophetic uh, encouragements and all these things are happening spiritually alongside these great opportunities of what most people go oh I've got the pinnacle you know I, I was able to get my song on here and I was able to you know meet this person here and they're not seeing it for themselves they're seeing for what is is the God you know the God answer in that and I think that's been the most beautiful thing is to watch our people look for opportunity now not so much about making themselves famous but about seeing where god's placed them for a greater purpose than themselves and so we're seeing that open up i mean of course we've had an album which has just opened up it hasn't i wouldn't say opened up opportunities for us i think it's just uh, had great influence and exposure Uh, i think our church has incredible influence now 100 countries stream in per week from you know all over the world and I just think we're just, I, I love that we keep things local, but it seems to go global without us trying. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if that's opportunity, then we'll take it. Recently, um, I heard you were in Dubai, I believe. What what was that trip? Uh, I was invited to speak at a women's uh, conference, which I thought was quite intriguing um, because obviously the Middle East and women, uh, that normally doesn't go together in the same sentence of having some sort of opportunity for that. So I was so intrigued by it and I asked if I could have a travel companion and so I brought Henry along with me because I was a little bit nervous. Um, but what we discovered there was just this hunger of because I think it's two thirds expats mm. that live there, mm. so it's not really native. There's no kind of native Emirati. We're very few because they're from different parts of the Middle East. But you know, Dubai was basically a dream that the rulers decided to create this magnificent city and country that is just honestly, it's like living in the future. It's crazy, but you know, still the women. Um, of of certain cultures are quite you know oppressed and and perhaps need to stay silent and serve and so it was just an intriguing moment to be able to go to this church that's a full like spirit-filled christian church operating in dubai and um we got to minister and henry led worship and we got to minister into the life of the church and it was fantastic it was a really great opportunity yeah it's a crazy place Really crazy. I loved place. it. Loved it. It was good, and they're hungry. That's the thing. Yeah. Like people are, you know, people yeah. are. That's the thing. People all over the world are hungry for something yeah. real. That's right. And uh, you know, this is where it's. I think the balance of getting back to the whole the creative aspect, the balance of of not using creativity as a draw card as much as we are as a, an expression of who mm. God is. Yeah. Um. You know, I, I think. Too often the church has tried to compete with the world and do a, try to one-up the world um, and try and prove that we're better than the world, forgetting the fact that we actually have the very thing that the world doesn't have, yeah. and that is the presence of God. And so if we can, if we can operate from that level, from yeah. that place of um, you know, just being intimate with the Spirit of God in that sense of, of knowing Him closely mm. and personally, um, if, if we can operate from that place, we'll, 
it's never a competition with the world. Yeah. We actually have what the world is so desperately seeking for. They're just going out and spending trillions and trillions of dollars trying to create something that's going to fulfill and, mm. and or fuf- that's going to fill uh, that Longing, need. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think even seeing that in Dubai, just people who, you know, come from a completely different culture, yet there's still the same hunger on the inside mm. of them for something that's real, something that's authentic. And when God shows up, they know it. They, sure. they experience it just as we do. I mean, so. they have so much. They are a very wealthy, wealthy country, yet still unsatisfied. And so when you present Jesus and the gospel and the Holy Spirit, that's the thing that, you know, people want. So, it, yeah, it was a really beautiful time and we look forward to going back there. I think we're going to plan to go back in a couple of years and do a big concert um, worship worship night there so it'd be good i love stories like that i mean like like you just said it's not it's not the show we can put on it's not about like yeah just being flashy or being attractive it's it's really the meat of it and i love you guys keep it to a minimalist thought process so i mean does that does that kind of bleed over as you look into the future and where belonging is heading uh, do you just kind of keep it one day at a time, what's right in front of us, or do you kind of have some ideas and dreams that God's instilling in you looking forward to the future? Uh, <laughs> I think a bit of both. Yeah, definitely Mostly a bit of both. the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing, you know, people are like, ah, oh, what's your five-year plan? And I'm like, if, if you asked me that five years ago, it wasn't pastoring a church, yeah. you know, so sure, I, I, I don't want to put a limit on what God wants to do. Yeah. Um, and, th- you know, there is a sense of... Um, it's not that it's overly simplistic, um, but I, I think for me, it's it's what, you know, we dream, but it's also what makes sense, you know, yeah. like when we when we first kind of grew out of the basement and we went to the first venue that we were at, you know, they had string lights and that was kind of the level of production we had because that was that was where we were at, you know, um, and that was fine. But it's amazing how people can can associate that then with becoming the thing that's that's special and that God's in the string lights, you know? And so the next venue we went to just happened to have string lights. And so that maybe solidifies for people, oh, well, that's where it's at. You know, God's only there if it's simplistic and it's string lights and it's, you know, but as we've grown and things have made sense and we've had more people come into our team and the more that, you know, we've seen how much the impact of, of live stream has had, you know, we've upped the ante on a few things production wise and and there's that wrestle for people of like, oh, well, you've got away from who you are. But it's like, yeah, no, you've actually, changed. the heart is still the same. You know, it's it's there's different tools and there's different things that you need to do as you expand. But they're they're not the goal. They're they're right. you know they're the add on. They're yeah. they're the element of creativity of expression. But that doesn't change who we are. We it's could not turn the up the core of who no. we are. Yeah, and it, you know, people are like, well. You guys could only have, you know, you're at a place where you could only have church now if, if it's a certain way and you've got a certain amount of, you know, of your worship team on. And I'm like, you don't understand at all. I, I would, if we had no one on team this week, you know, I would turn up happily with an acoustic guitar and no PA and stand on that stage and lead worship to a thousand people who would be as 100% engaged yeah. with that as what they would be with a full band. Yeah, so it's exactly. it's not about the method, you know. We I love that we get to create. I love that we get to do church loud and big mm. and all that sort of stuff. But it's not the method. Yeah, you know, that that's sure. the that's just an expression of who we are. Yeah, it's uh, you know, if we had 20 people in the basement yeah. as we did with an acoustic guitar, it was as powerful then as what it yeah. is. Like now. you said, just carrying that presence of God and not making a 
a square peg fitting around a hole, but truly finding where you can express that presence of God in your life and what you're doing. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, you do have to deal with growth, <laughs> not issues. I mean, that's a good problem yeah. to have, but you do have to have that different yeah. infrastructure. You have to say. You do. And you yeah. have to keep moving. Like I think people get so, I think that's why God never revealed himself as a one thing because we would have memorialized that one image of God but he moved and he changed he was in the fire he was in the fiery bush he was in the wind he was in the whisper he was in the you know all these different things because if as humans we love to just memorialize or oh, that's where the presence of God is let's build that and it, you know and God's always moving and he's just always shaping us and I think he takes us out of our stagnant mindsets to actually keep us fluid. Otherwise, that's how religion sets in. Well, yeah. this is how it's got to be. And this is, you know, we've got to follow this tradition. And then God, God's like, I've moved on. I'm, I'm creative. I want to change things up every single day. So stay fluid with me. And I think that's one of the things with our church because I don't actually particularly like moving lights and all that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, it, for the live stream, it's been a really benefit beneficial uh tool and also because the the room is dark it's been really helpful but i don't particularly but do i sit there going oh now the presence of god is gone because there's moving lights or or do i just decide to go actually the same spirit of god is here we're singing the same songs we're lifting up the name of jesus however the format is it's up to me to just put aside all the the, the things and just go for the heart and so I think that's what we've done with our church is we've taken them on a journey of if things change they change like God God changes I mean he never changes his who he is but he's always changing the way he reveals himself yeah. you know well is there anything else that you'd love to share with uh, creators with anybody that might be listening I mean honestly I, I think the, the big thing for me is just stay fresh with God. Keep tapping into that that place where it, it's it's fresh with Him, mm. and uh, you know, let that be your source of creativity. Let that be your source of inspiration, and and don't fall into the trap of comparison. Mm. Um, but just you know, keep keep tapping into the heart of God, and I believe yeah. that He has for you everything that you that you need. Everything that's going to step you into something that's unique for whoever you are and whatever yeah. you're doing and whatever He's called you to do. So, yeah. yeah, and I, I, we just did this sermon the other week about becoming God's friend and how God reveals his secrets and his mysteries to people that he's close to, not to acquaintances. And I think we're always looking for the new thing. And God's got so many mysteries and secrets for us all. But it takes a minute to spend time with him to find out. You know, you, you don't share a secret with an acquaintance. You share a secret with your best friend. And I think he's longing for his sons and daughters to be best friends so that he can whisper these great ideas and great understandings of his heart so that we can then express his heart to the world. And I look forward to the day where we stop copying the outside world and start going within the like our, our heart with God and asking him, what is it that you want to do? What is it that you, what, what's in on your heart? How do we 
how do we reflect your glory? And when we do that, I tell you what, it's going to be the most attractive. And sometimes I think the most simple thing, sometimes the most obscure thing, and God's going to breathe on it. And people are going to marvel at, oh my goodness, like what is that? The world call it the X factor. I call it the Holy Spirit factor. You can't, you know, and so finding that secret place with God is going to enable you to create like no one else creates because the world's doing it beautifully. They're actually, they know who they are. You know, you just have to go to a fashion show for New York Fashion Week and the creativity of those designers, the way they can put a set together and actually tell a story is so magnificent. And how much more should we be able to tell stories because uh, God is, I mean, heaven, I, I, it's going to blow our minds when we see it. And we're like, we could tap into all of that beauty. Let's stop copying and let's start just dreaming for the best and seeing what God wants. A huge thank you to Henry and Alex Seeley for taking time for the interview today. To find out more about Henry and Alex Seeley and The Belonging Co., Visit the podcast episode page on our website at creativechurch.com. That's crtvchurch.com. Welcome to Reply All, where each week we pose a question and give you the chance to answer online in our Creative Talks group on Facebook and our Creative Church podcast social channels. Last week, we asked the all-important question, which is, what is your favorite Star Wars movie? Ooh. You answered, and here are a few of our favorites in no particular order or reading. Zach Hamilton said the Phantom Menace, Jar Jar Binks' favorite character ever. So you go ahead and reprimand him over on Creative Talks and tell him how wrong he is. I already deleted him, actually. Oh, okay. Um, well, yeah. as long as he's been his, his existence has been wiped off of social media forever. Well, I, I honestly... I think he was joking, but that's just something he don't joke about. No, we don't. No, yeah, that's no, too you, far. That's, You've crossed. That the wasn't line. even funny. I, I'm no, not even laughing right now. No, Misa not laughing. Oh, <laughs> get out! <laughs> <laughs> you know that was perfect. You know that was the perfect joke right there. Welcome to Ross's last episode on the Creative <laughs> Church podcast for two weeks. Uh, two weeks. Uh. Cody Patterson said Rogue One. Even if Star Wars didn't exist, it would be a great movie on its own. The story is incredible. The characters are hilarious, but well played. And the visuals were next level. Also the music. And he made a uh, emoji face that was like surprised. It's my all-time favorite movie. Not just favorite Star Wars movie. It even Ooh. replaced Avatar for me. Well, I don't think it's real hard to replace Avatar. Um, but just because I have issues with <laughs> Avatar. Um, no, it's, it's Pocahontas of Aliens. Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, Rogue One, definitely a beautiful, compelling movie. I really enjoyed it a lot. So I, I can totally, not that it's my all-time favorite movie, but man, it's it's up there. It's a good one. I honestly, uh, Rogue One was a big one for me too, and I wish I could put it at number one on my list, but unfortunately that's where Empire goes, and that's that's sad, but. And maybe Last Jedi, hopefully. I don't know. Well, Joel Swan um, apparently thought he was somewhere else and said The Wrath of Khan because Shatner's acting was superb. Um, so I'm, I'm as... really glad that Joel Swan actually said that. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, Why because is that? finally he's admitting what Star, Star Wars fans have been wanting to hear for years, and which is Star Trek is just a ripoff 
of Star Wars. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh, we'll leave it there at that. There you go. Thank you, Joel, Joel, for saying that. You know, yeah. we're really, we're really, we appreciate that. I am so sorry if I butchered this. Uh, I, I really do apologize. I'm not very good at reading names to begin with. So here we go. Or saying words. Or saying words. Yep, that's true. Chaska Richardson said The Empire Strikes Back. Mine too. Mine, my favorite too. It's a good one. She said she enjoyed Rogue One. Least favorite though is The Phantom Menace. I've had my tickets since they went on sale for The Last Jedi, and I'd like to just fast forward to tomorrow evening. I guess she answered yeah, this. Well, hopefully, on she's already seen it, and she can go to our pop culturist and listen and, and uh, to our episode and see what she thinks about that. Yeah, and hopefully, hopefully, she loved The Last Jedi. We hope you loved The Last yeah, Jedi, Jessica. We do. It was, it was good. Well, and you know what's hilarious is I don't know how many people um, enjoy those bad lip reading um, videos on YouTube. Oh, they are hilarious. Well, they just released a new one at the time of this recording, um, and, and it was the it was the snow speeder at at fight, and it's a it's a song, and it's pretty Ooh. amazing. Yeah, their songs that they do is really they're, oh, they're really funny. They so, are yeah. so funny. Um, maybe maybe I'll put that maybe I'll put that in the, on the website. <clears throat> yeah, I mean they even had one of the Star Wars um, songs that they did for bad lip reading as a kind of Easter egg in their Stranger Things bad lip reading, I thought was hilarious. So since this is the last show of 2017, we are going to forego this week's Reply All and just spend time wishing everyone a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year's. And to do that, Ross and I are going to sing Christmas carols. You ready, Ross? <clears throat> yes. <clears throat> oh, sorry. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, no, but uh, we do want to wish you guys a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year because, you know, we won't see you guys for two weeks, but we will be back. We will be back. Um, I'm just kidding about the Christmas carols. Ross and I would love to do that, but we we can't be here all day. <laughs> um, <laughs> but while we're going to be off for two weeks, there is another way that you can hear Ross's beautiful bare tones mm. and mine and mine next yes. week, next week, but not the week after. No. Um, and get some. You can get a little bit of your Creative Church podcast fix since they are technically part of Creative Church. That's true. Uh, and all you have to do is hop over to uh, the Pop Culturist podcast and subscribe. Would you say that you're creating a podcast empire? Empire. Ooh. Oh, should I start yes. calling you Palpatine Goodner? Or Lord Goodner. Or I will, Nick Palpatine? What's Nick, the... <laughs> yeah. Emperor Nick. I, you know, I, I'll settle for any of it. Uh, it's, a, it's a Creative Church podcast empire. Um, but the Pop Culturist will be going strong throughout the holiday season, and I cannot recommend checking out their show enough it's really funny it's really great um and uh, it's a brilliant discussion on the broad themes small details and ridiculous theories that make up pop culture's past present past present and future and currently they have a review episode of star wars which we've mentioned several times now. and half of it is spoiler free so that first half you can listen to if you haven't seen it yet and then we get real spoilery so yeah, which if you're a true Star Wars Prepare fan, your heart. You've already seen Star Wars. You, so. Yeah, you've already seen it, so you shouldn't yeah. even need the spoiler-free one. But, no. you know, Just it, the, to me, that's the only way that makes a fake Star Wars fan, if they haven't seen this movie yet. Ooh. Oh, I'm, I'm, am take. I getting too dicey? Hot take. Too dicey? Okay. Hot take. Hot take. Hot take. All right, there we go. Uh, on that note, we'll go ahead and we'll wrap things up. There are a few great ways that you can share your appreciation for the Crave Church podcast. First, subscribe and add us to your favorite podcatcher. We also release all of our episodes on our website at creativechurch.com. Also, review this podcast and show us some rating star love on iTunes so we can get more exposure. And the more people that find us, um, maybe I'll make a bet and do a glitter beard for Christmas or something. I don't know. Oh, finally. 
Finally, I've been wanting Ross to do a glitter beard for weeks. Yeah, it's not gonna, it's not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. Dang Sorry, it. Uh, I'm gonna um, shut last, that down immediately. Shut it down. Lastly, consider sharing this episode on social media. You can find us by searching for our handle, Creative Church. That's one word: CRTV Church. Special thanks to Alex and Henry for joining us today. Check out all that they're doing by heading over to our podcast episode page on our website at creativechurch.com. Also, go and check out Stock Up. That's Stock Up without a C, and get that 14 day free trial free free we will be off though for two weeks so this we is... will be free <laughs> so uh of this podcast free free from this podcast yes yes finally <laughs> oh gosh uh, they're letting us out um <laughs> uh merry christmas merry christmas happy merry new christmas. year's happy new year we'll see you in 2018 in the meantime though i'm nick gunner i'm ross montgomery and we will see you next year Thank you for listening to the Creative Church Podcast. Creative Church exists to bring creators together. For more information, visit our website at creativechurch.com. That's crtvchurch.com. I regret everything I've ever done.